why the heck would you not continue to to solidify your financial position perpetually with passive income and wealth, right? You know, things can change. In a time plagued by groupthink, a tribe known as the Millionites have emerged from the depths of time to alter our trajectory for the betterment of humanity. These are their chronicles. Welcome to our community, where every single week we'll study the craft of some of the most successful entrepreneurial leaders in their given area of expertise. We'll take a trip down memory lane, long before the millions, to uncover their secrets to success and how they've achieved their goals. By doing this, we can fast track our way to success and live the life we've always dreamt of. So, whether you are looking to attain financial freedom, location independence, or reaching the millionth mark of your milestones and more, then you've come to the right place. Stick around to find out what works, what doesn't, and how you can reach your millions. If you would like instant access to our back catalog, visit us at beforethemillions.com. And now, your host, DeRay Olaleye. What's going on, BTM community? I'm your humble host, DeRay Olaleye, and we are back for the 16th installment of the Before the Millions podcast. If you are new to this show, this is a show all about studying worldwide entrepreneurs and millionaires, studying their path to success so that we may kind of use that as a cheat sheet and go and emulate the same things in our businesses and in our, in our investing and in our, in our lives in general. And we've had the pleasure of having, at this point, 15 wonderful entrepreneurs and millionaires on this show. And this episode is no different, guys. This episode is amazing. We are interviewing the vice president of Bigger Pockets, Scott Trench. And Scott drops a lot of nuggets and it's one of those episodes to which you just kind of want to get up and, and, and do something immediately after you hear it. But like I said, I can't wait to get into it and you guys are going to love it. Man, I've been falling behind on my books lately. I started reading the Bible for a couple of weeks and man, that is probably the longest book I've ever tried to read. And it's, it's tough. <laughs> I think I made it through like the first four books of the Bible so far. And I had took a small hiatus. I started reading The Creature from Jekyll Island. And man, that book is almost as long. (laughs) So I'm probably 25% of the way there to completing the book. But yeah, I had to take a break from that too. But what I recently just read actually is a book called Crucial Conversations by, I forget the author's name. His name escapes me, but it was an okay book. Average size book. I read it in about two days, but it was it was okay. It, it had some good takeaways. I'd give it a maybe a six point five out of ten rating. The book is is about just what the title implies: crucial conversations, and kind of breaks down the science of having crucial conversations. If you haven't already, go pick up my free ebook, "Get Paid to Live for Free." It's basically your beginner's guide to house hacking. And if you're not familiar with house hacking, it's uh a strategy in real estate investing in which you can get paid to live for free. <laughs> Hence the name. The way to pick up that book is just by emailing info at beforethemillions.com. And the subject of that email should be live free. Hit the send button and you'll get the book right to your email. Speaking of, today's guest, Scott Trench, has a book called Set for Life. And his book actually walks you through the process of house hacking and getting yourself to the place to where you are set for life. And I can't wait to read it. I think it's the next book on my book list. So definitely check it out. Also, if you stick around to the end of the show, I will let you know how to get a free copy of his book. If you haven't already, join our Facebook group at Facebook dot com slash groups slash before the millions. That's all I got. Let's get into the show. We recommend only the best books on this show. With that being said, we can understand the urge to read the last book you've heard an entrepreneur get excited about. Well, guess what? You can go read it right now. We've partnered with Audible, an Amazon company that produces high quality audiobooks. 
Together, we are offering, and for free, a 30-day trial and one free book as soon as you sign up. So, if you've been eyeing a certain book but haven't quite been able to pull the trigger yet, we'd love to cover the cost for you. Just visit audibletrial.com slash before the millions to start reading or listening to your next free book. The link is also in the show notes of this episode at beforethemillions.com. Today, I'd like to welcome Scott Trench to the show. Hey, Scott, how's it going? Things are going great. How are you doing? I'm doing splendid. Super excited to have you on the show. I've actually told quite a few people that you'll be on the show and they're excited for this episode to release. So can't keep them waiting, right? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So Scott is a perpetual student of finance, real estate investing, sales, business, and personal management. He's also a real estate investor and an executive at the infamous Bigger Pockets. Through solid understanding of money management, calculated risk, and hard work, he has created financial freedom for himself as well as success in real estate business in just three years after graduating college. He hopes now to share his knowledge that he's acquired with the world and also provide the tools that we all need to rinse and repeat his results in just three to five years. So, Scott, you have one of the hottest books out right now, and rightfully so. It's actually next on my book list to read. But like I said before the show, many of our guests have recommended your book. And we'll get into that in a minute. But I want to take it back. I want to give the listeners some context. Let's let's talk about who Scott Trench was before, you know, before all of this, before the book, before the real estate, before bigger pockets. Like, where were you a couple of years ago? What was your mindset and and kind of walk us through your process? Sure. So I, I graduated college in 2013, in the spring of 2013. And right after that, I went on a Europe trip with a couple of friends and spent all my pocket money that I'd saved up throughout the years working summer jobs and all that. And basically graduated, had some fun, and then started with $3,000 left over at a at my first full-time job, which is at a Fortune 500 company doing financial planning and analysis. And within three months, I realized that this is not what I want to do with the rest of my life. I wanted something something better, something different, something that wasn't so monotonous, so boring. So I started really getting involved in this concept of financial freedom, personal finance, building private wealth and producing passive income such that you don't have to work for money. My first actual experience with that, the first kind of aha moment, I think came from a blog called Mr. Money Mustache, which I definitely recommend everyone check out. And this guy basically promotes you know, frugality as, as a path toward financial freedom. The more you save, the more you're able to invest, and the happier you become because you're able to find efficiencies in your day. You, know, it's, you save money and you find efficiencies. So I really like that philosophy. I began adopting that immediately for a year or so. Well, I still adopt that today, but I adopted it for a year or so to get things started. And I saved up about my first $20,000, $25,000. And then I wanted to figure out, hey, how do I actually deploy this in a more efficient manner to achieve early financial freedom? And so that's when I turned to real estate investing in conjunction with this frugal lifestyle. And that's where I turned to Bigger Pockets, which was, they have a podcast and a website. And I happen to work at Bigger Pockets now, but I I began to, I, I started out as just a regular fan listening to the show and saying, hey, this seems like a really good way to deploy this money that I've, I've saved up. And, and particularly appealing is this concept of house hacking, where I could move into a duplex, live in one side, rent out the other side, and get paid to live for free. And then when I move out, I can retain it as a cash flowing rental property. So it was a really good starter way for me to do that. So I was able to take $12,000 of that $20,000, $25,000 savings, put that as my down payment. I made, I think, Eleven fifty from one side, and then five fifty from a roommate on my side. They were both two bed, one bath units, and the mortgage was fifteen fifty. So I was collecting seventeen hundred dollars in rent on a fifteen hundred and fifteen fifty dollar mortgage. So I was basically living for free when you count some of the random expenses that come in with that, which was great. I just wiped out a six hundred seven hundred dollar a month rent and utility bill and swapped that out for basically breaking even after you know, the modest expenses that come with running a household with other people living in it. This skyrocketed my savings rate and enabled me to kind of repeat the experience. Now I've got three properties and eight units amongst those three properties. So Scott, that's amazing. That's 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 great stuff. And I can't wait to kind of dissect that further. And you skipped over a lot of a lot of great gems. So it's yeah. my, my job to kind of go through that and filter. Through Let's that go through and, them and, <laughs> and talk about it. So so, Scott, you've graduated from college and you're in the financial planning space for all of three months. 
And you said your first interaction or your first encounter with anything of this such was Mr. Money Mustache. Now, did you go looking for this information or did you just happen to run across this and decide that, you know, three months after you were employed that this wasn't for you? Or was there was there something that happened in those three months that had you, you know, scouring the Internet for some some other means? Well, you know, the, the, the problem with my first job wasn't that you know, I was treated fairly. I was paid reasonably well. I made like 48K a year. So it wasn't, I wasn't like being, being hosed or anything. The problem with the job was that it was boring. I was able to do all of the work and then some in very few hours of the day. And I would go looking for more work and there wasn't more work for me to do. And, you know, that's the thing. That was my first job out of college. And I was like, I want to make an impact. How do I do this? And there just wasn't that, that opportunity didn't exist. And it was very frustrating for me. So I filled up that void learning about things. I was like, well, if I'm at work and I don't have any work to do, I might get fired for not for doing unrelated work things. So if I'm if I'm gonna take that risk, because I'm not gonna sit there with my, you know, thumb up my butt and do nothing. I'm going to actually go and be productive here. I might as well do something that's gonna help me better myself because I would rather get fired for doing that than just kind of messing around on Facebook or something like that, right? So that's where I started researching all these things. Hey, how does one make more money? How does one be more productive? How does one put their, their free time to better use? And I came across this concept of financial freedom in some way or other. I couldn't tell you which particular blog introduced me to that at the time, but the one that really stuck with me and got me motivated and ready to go was the Mr. Money Mustache. I must have read hundreds though, but there are also other, also pretty good, like Financial Samurai. There was one about a guy, Extreme Early Retirement. There's a podcast on this, like Radical Personal Finance. There's a ton of these other blogs and sites out there that I, I came across. And basically over, over the course of maybe a few months, starting around month three, I was able to really hone this philosophy and be like, okay, I'm going to actually go towards this goal because at the very least, my life will be lived on my terms. And if I'm bored, that's, I want it to be my fault. <laughs> so... Okay. That definitely makes sense. So, so you decided mm -hmm. to start going towards these goals. Now, is this where you made the switch to bigger pockets and, and then you started investing or, or did you kind of start investing and then you kind of found bigger pockets? How did, how did that work? Sure. So I was frustrated at first because I only had a few thousand dollars and you can't really do anything with a few thousand dollars except sit in your cubicle and try to pick winning stocks, you know, which is a uh, kind of useless pastime to be frank, because you know, who cares if you get a few extra points of return? It's not really, it's not, if I get an extra 5% return on a $10,000 investment, you know, beyond the market, let's say the market returns 12, but I get 17. Well, I've made an extra 500 bucks for all my effort. It's really hard to do that in the first place. And it's not really worth it in the, in the end when there's more efficient ways to make more money. So I, I was more frustrated that I couldn't do anything big and that's when I kind of was like, okay, how do I actually achieve significant returns while working a full-time job? And there's a lot of ways to do it, but the way that made sense to me that seemed to be accessible, significant, and semi-passive was real estate investing. As I decided kind of that I wanted to do this real estate investing, that's when bigger pockets began entering more and more into my my research. My, you know, I listened to the podcast and the way to and from work, read articles at work sometimes, all that good stuff. <laughs> Okay, and then and then you finally applied for bigger pockets, or or did, was that kind of like your your means to finding out more about real estate was to possibly you know just change your full time job to that industry, or, or you know how did that how did your your employment at Bigger Pockets come about? I did exactly what the hosts of the Bigger Pockets podcast told me to do, and I went and networked with real estate investors in the local community. So I joined a mastermind group that met at seven o'clock in the mornings on Thursdays once a month. And I would go to this mastermind meeting and then I met every single person in there for lunch. So this is my thing is I would take people out for lunch so that I could pick their brains and, and basically put myself in position for opportunities to strike. And that's exactly what happened. I, I, I wouldn't have defined it so elegantly back then, but that's exactly what I was doing. And I met with this guy for lunch and I went to his co-working space. And Josh Dorkin, the founder of Bigger Pockets and the host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, happened to be seated at one corner of the, the workspace. And I went in and knocked on the door and said, Hey, I'm such a huge fan. You've changed my life. I'm gonna do all this stuff differently because of you. Thank you so much. And he was like, Go away, kid. What are you what are you bothering me for? You're not supposed to be in here. And so I followed up six more times and he eventually offered me a job. So that was that was how that kind of led to that. But I, yeah, it was it was just through through networking. And then I happened to know and love the brand that this guy had built. 
and wanted to wanted to be a part of it. So, love it, love it, love it. Okay, Scott. So we're we're setting the stage for your your major rise. We're setting the stage. So let's go back to to stock market investing and and some of the things that you found wrong with that. So you know you're at your your, your corporate job before Bigger Pockets and stock market investing or, or investing in in your four hundred one k in general is kind of just what we do. You know, why did you start exploring means outside of that? Well, it was for me, it's about speed. You know, I know that there's mostly entrepreneurs on your show. I don't consider myself an entrepreneur even right now. I'm an employee. I'm building wealth on the side while working a full-time job. And I always have. For me, if you want to become financially free at an early stage in life, you have, you know, there's, there's only three ways to do it. Assuming you're not getting handed money as a gift. You have to save a ton and invest it. You have to save a ton, you have to invest it, or you have to build a business. Or you have to do one of those, one of those three things. If you're going to invest and you're going to invest in index funds, you have to accept that you're probably going to get around the market average return throughout history, between 8 and 10%. And even then, some people are going to say, hey, that's way too high of an assumption. It really is going to be closer to 6% or whatever. At the high end, you can assume 10%, maybe 11 or 12% if you really want to go out there at one of these kind of more aggressive assumptions. That is not very fast. You're not going to achieve a life-changing amount of wealth, which I define as between $500,000 and a $1 million in wealth, in under a few years if you're saving twenty grand a year and investing in index funds. You can accelerate that process, however, if you use leverage, you use investments that are relative, relevant to your personal situation, and you work hard in the investment. You have some control over it so you can produce greater returns. Let me explain how this works with a house hack. Let's use my, my house hack as an example. I put down $12,000 to buy a $240,000 property. That's a 5% down payment. I'm now leveraged 19 to 1 on this property, right? 1% of appreciation, $2,400, is a, what, what is that, 20% return on my initial investment. 2% is 40. You go to the average annual appreciation of housing, which is between 3 and 3.5%. And you're looking at almost a 60 to 70% return on your down payment. That's just from appreciation. Now, let's say you don't like appreciation. You don't, you don't want to bank on that, right? Now you're paying down the loan by two or $3,000 a year, right? Because you're amortizing the loan. Okay, so that is 20 to 30% of your investment. And let's not forget that with my investment, I, was, I told you I was paying $600 a month in rent prior to that, six, maybe 700 Now I'm paying nothing. So that's a cash flow to me of $600 per month or $7,200 per year. Again, on my $12,000 initial investment. It is no stretch of the imagination to say that in an average appreciating market, someone who's house hacking intelligently can produce a 200% ROI on an investment of 10 to 15 grand. That is not an exaggeration. That is a, that is a possibility in an average. And of course, the market could go down. There is risk there. But I felt that I was mitigating my risk far more in this in this instance than I was with even with a stock market investment. Because if the market did go down, I still have my tenants on the other side and my roommate helping me to cover my mortgage. So maybe rents fall a little bit, and now I'm paying $300 to live instead of nothing. That's still a net improvement for me. So I felt that this was an opportunity. This particular strategy was so much more effective than any other types of investments I could make with similar amounts of cash that there really was no other option for me. I suppose you could definitely do better if you invest that in a business. Like, you know, you hey, I'm going to invest $10,000 and build an online e-commerce site, and I'm going to produce $10,000 a month. If you're really good and you can do that, that's going to be a better investment. But for me, I was unable, I didn't think that I had the skill set at the time to do that kind of work. So this for me was, was hey, this is, a, this is an incredible investment opportunity. And the options that I'll give myself in a few years are so great in the sense that I can keep living there for free. I can sell the place if, if like any other homeowner, or I can keep it as a cash flowing rental because I could collect rent from my, my side once I moved out. So does that explain why I liked real estate investing? I, I love <laughs> so. that. I love that. And again, we're kind of flowing along the same lines. And I kind of talk about this on every single episode because, you know, I have a book out called Get Paid to Live for Free, doing exactly what you're describing. And it, it's phenomenal how, you know, nine, I, I'm just throwing out a stat out there, 90 to 95% of us, you know, invest in, in the stock market or in our 401k, have no idea where our money is going, have no, no idea 
how much in fees we're being charged, what the rates are. Like, it's crazy. And, you know, with, with investing, as long as you're investing right, as long as you're buying right and you're financing right, like the, the sky's the limit. The sky's the limit. And, and you know, investors like us, and I believe you're the same way, you know, I'm a long-term buy and hold investor. So with the market fluctuations, I'm not as concerned you know, because I'm a long-term buy and hold. Now, if I was a fix and flipper, though, I would be a little bit more concerned. But as a long-term buy and hold investor, I'm not as concerned. Let's kind of talk about your journey a little bit more. Let's move down your path and, and, and kind of get into some of the good stuff. So you you close on your first property, which is, you know, amazing, by the way. I'm glad you, glad you were able to do that. And at this time, you are working at Bigger Pockets. Let's kind of move, move on to your second property. And how did you find it? And how did you kind of start getting the capital to get into more deals? Because again, you started out with just a, a few thousand dollars. Sure. So I bought that property in November of 2014. I refinanced out of that. I used an FHA loan, 5% down, refinanced out of that into conventional loan. And then another FHA loan to buy the second property, which is an up-down duplex, live in the basement, very similar numbers, a little more expensive, a little higher rents. Now, you know, the rents on the first property have increased a little bit. So I've got $2,600 a month in cash flow from property A, right? The first one, 240 that I bought it for. And I've got a mortgage of 1400 because I was able to refinance out of that and get out of, there's a thing called a mortgage insurance premium. That comes along with FHA loans, and that was about $250 per month. So I refinanced and got a higher interest rate, but eliminated that $250 PMI, mortgage insurance premium. And so that net effect gave me an increased cash flow, about $150 a month. So now I'm collecting this money. I joined Bigger Pockets in probably right before I bought that property. Bigger Pockets actually had very little to do. My employment at Bigger Pockets had very little to do with me buying the first property or the second one, really. I definitely was able to use my the network that I've built here at Bigger Pockets to help me get an opportunity for this re- recent one, which is to my advantage. But the first two, I, the fact that I worked at Bigger Pockets definitely helped me to become comfortable with the content and the you know how tos of real estate investing. But I I bought both those deals off the MLS, so. Really quick, Scott, I don't want to get too technical for, for our audience, but I do definitely have, a, I guess, a, a selfish <laughs> question. Or how did you go about getting rid of your PMI? Oh, so I benefited from appreciation. So I fixed up the place and the market improved here in Denver. So I had more than 25% equity in the property. So I was able to refinance to a conventional loan. Are those kind of the qualifications to, to be able to do that? Yeah, you have to have equity in the property and you have to have the rest of the stuff that you need to have a good load to get a credit. Like you have to have a good credit score, income and then equity in the property. If you don't have very much equity in the property, they're going to charge you mortgage insurance to protect the the bank. So I asked actually, I'm sorry, I think I misstated that. I think mortgage insurance premium is imposed by Fannie Mae or it's related to Fannie Mae because Fannie Mae is the one that's insuring these loans. But that doesn't matter for listeners. The point is, once you get to enough equity, you can refinance out of these loans that have mortgage insurance and into conventional loans that do not. So. Okay. So let's maybe talk about your goal and your why and, you know, what you're chasing after and, you know, what what the ultimate, you know, what what is the point of all of this? I think that you have a great job and you have your rentals. You know, what's the goal? What are you aiming for? I think the path differs for everyone here. When I started out, I did not find meaning in my work or in my day. So, my meaning was I need to get out of this and achieve financial freedom. Over the last few years, I find a lot of meaning in the work I do because I feel like we're helping people, you know, get out of the situation that I was in, that I remember so clearly. Hey, I I want a better life for myself. I want this. And I get to do that every day, helping people achieve that goal. So my goal is less financial freedom and more helping more and more people. That's how kind of my goal has shifted here. And I and I enjoy my work and am doing that. That said, even if you enjoy your work, and I love my work as much as anybody. Why the heck would you not continue to to solidify your financial position perpetually with passive income and wealth, right? You know, things can change, right? What I love today, I may not love in five years. I hope I do, but maybe I don't. If I have several million dollars in net worth and $100,000, $200,000 a year in passive cash flow, that's going to be so easy to say goodbye to, right? It's going to be much harder if I'm dependent on that income stream. Secondly... I don't know if that was the first point, but, but another point <laughs> that I want to make here is as you know, the path, it's not like you work toward financial freedom one bit at a time, one bit at a time, working the same thing, nothing changes, nothing changes, nothing changes. And then all of a sudden become financially free and your life, you're, you retire and your life is golden, right? 
as you accumulate wealth, as you accumulate passive income, opportunities begin multiplying in front of you. You can suddenly drop 20 grand on an investment, 50 grand, 100 grand, 200 grand on these things. You can suddenly walk away from work for a year, two years, five years, 10 years. And as those, as your position improves, you have more and more opportunities that present themselves and more and more ability to kind of improve your life in the big areas that you want to. You don't like your job. Well, you can move to a new job that pays instead of 80 K 50 K, but has opportunity for you that might allow you to make three times that, or that has meaning for you that you'll enjoy going to work every day. Those options present themselves as you improve your financial position. So I think that's just the other key. That was the other key. I didn't really go into financial freedom understanding that, but looking back, that's exactly what one of the results was of, of, of this kind of work. I love that. I love so. that, Scott. You, you said that again, you said that elegantly as well. And, and I hope our listeners are, are listening and taking notes because this is, this is really, really, really good stuff. So let's maybe talk about bigger pockets a little bit and what you do for bigger pockets and, and why bigger pockets brings you so much joy. Cause I could just imagine, you know, I'm just a contributor on the site and, you know, just, just hearing people, you know, with success stories and even be able to help people, you know, make connections and, and inspire people who think that they can't do some of the things that we're talking about, you know, just being a contributor that, that has had a major impact in my life and being able to help people. So I could just imagine yours. So maybe, maybe talk about one or two of those things. Okay. So bigger pockets, bigger pockets helps people achieve financial freedom through real estate investing. And for the most part, and this is a pretty bold statement, I don't think that our users are really interested in real estate. They're interested in financial freedom. They're interested in the cash flow and the wealth generation that real estate provides. And the reason why I love bigger pockets is because I think that real estate is for many people, perhaps a majority of employed workers in this country making median or higher wages, the best way to build passive cash flow because it is it requires hard work, it requires education and knowledge. But real estate is a pretty tangible asset that sticks around for a long time, generates cash flow, and for the most part appreciates with inflation over time. So if you're buying real estate, you know, I don't consider income from other sources like my job, even my book, to be passive income that I can rely on for the rest of my life. I consider the income from my rental properties to be the source of the source of cash flow that I can depend on for the rest of my life. I see that as a, that just seems so clear to me, right? The, the, a book's not going to last 70 more years, right? Bigger pockets. I hope it does. It may not, right? It's a, it's a company. I hope that I last another 70 years. And I know that my, my rental properties or real estate in general land, the value of the land will hold for over that time period. That's a long time period. That's why I love what we're doing here is we're helping people build lasting wealth that will allow them to live out the rest of their lives on their terms and make impacts that they want. As far as success stories, we see success stories every single day. We have a whole forum category called real estate success stories, and there's a new one there literally every day. The most recent one that sticks out to me is this 21-year-old kid. <laughs> we featured it in our newsletter, and it's like, I'm 21. I just bought a $1.3 million rental or real estate complex multifamily, I think. And I'm retired. <laughs> it's like, ah, what? <laughs> well, that was easy. <laughs> so yeah, there you go. You're done. All right. And he he bought it smart. He bought it at a discount. He got good financing, seized an opportunity, and now he owns an enormous asset that is more wealth than most people will accumulate in their entire lives. And we'll set the stage for him to do whatever he wants for the rest of his life. I think that person is more likely than someone who has no wealth or wealth that's locked up in their 401k and maybe a little bit of personal home equity. I think the person that bought that place is more likely to go out there and impact the world positively on his terms as an entrepreneur, as a social worker, whatever he he believes the problem is than the next person. And that's that's what I believe we're helping set up here. That's I think that's what your your podcast is doing here. That's what this whole industry of financial bloggers, personal, you know, people that are helping people achieve financial independence. That's what this is about. Once you achieve financial independence, your odds of impacting the world in a meaningful way drastically increase. That's what I believe. Love that. So. Love that. Love that, Scott. And you answered the second part of that question perfectly. Back to the first part. What is your role at Bigger Pockets, and what do you do day, day in and day out? Besides, of course, host the podcast every every now and then. Sure. So when I joined, I was the third employee. So it was Josh Darkin, Brandon Turner, who's the other host of the podcast, and then 
and then me. So I did and do pretty much everything under the sun. I, I managed the finances. I did all the ad sales, made new features for the, the pro memberships, managed the community, handled support. And now I now I, I have the role of operations guy. So I, I oversee a team now. We have a, a finance, a financial analyst. We have a head of support, community manager, a publishing head of publishing, um, and basically we we handle all those things. And I oper- I'm, I'm looking for new ways to expand revenue to the company. For example, we're thinking about launching landlord forms. So here's a lease for Colorado. You know, maybe the, maybe people will pay for those forms. If that works out, great. We can expand to other states. If it doesn't, we'll kill it and go on to the next thing. So that's kind of what I'm doing ra- nowadays. I, I still manage ad sales. I still manage the publishing business, but I'm kind of looking to, for ways to creatively pursue new revenue opportunities that also help our users become more successful. A, a great lease is something that landlords need that will help them be successful. Just as connecting a landlord that needs a loan with a lender is something that helps everyone be successful and p- can produce some revenue for bigger pockets. So I'm trying to create opportunities for new revenue for the company that synergize with our mission. Love that. Love that. Love that. So let's let's talk about one of one of your newest forms of revenue. And, you know, one of your newest and to me, one of your best ways of give back, which is set for life. Such oh, new book. <laughs> let's talk about that. Let's talk about the inception of that book and, and, and why you decided to, to write a book. And then maybe we'll get into a little bit of the book as much as you want. But let's talk about the inception of that book. So I think like by like hopefully you can tell from this podcast and what you've heard so far but I am really truly passionate about this subject and helping people achieve financial freedom particularly the guy starting out with little to nothing working a full-time job and aspiring for hundreds of thousands of dollars in wealth and passive in- and and thousands or tens of thousands of dollars in passive income that seems unattainable for those folks so I've been passionate about this since the first day I started at Bigger Pockets, since before I started at Bigger Pockets. And as soon as I got here, I wanted to write for the blog. <laughs> and Josh was like, "No, you can't write for the blog. You don't have any property. You don't have any, you know, experience. You haven't, you have, you haven't done anything. You have no money. Like, why should you write about this, <laughs> this topic?" So I went and bought. I, I after I closed my property, I was like, "I want to write for the blog." He's like, "Okay, you can write about this post or th- this property." Actually, I think the first article is like a data, like a compilation of data or something like that. And I got trashed. I wrote these articles and people hated them. They're like, who is this little, you know, kid writing about this topic? What does he know? You know, this point is wrong. This is wrong. This is, this is crap. This is, you know, whatever. In dozens of comments, you can still see them if you go to my, my blog, my section of the Bigger Pockets blog and read my first articles, you can see the, the guys just trashing me. What this did was it made me really good really quickly because I did not like getting trashed. So I started real picking up on, okay, what are the smart people actually saying here? Every time I don't like I got to the I got to the point where when I started writing these articles, people would trash they would trash my article for points that were irrelevant to the main point I was trying to make. Because if you have a factually incorrect thing or or an, a needlessly controversial statement thrown into your post, you distract everyone from the points you're trying to make, right? And so that's what I learned over the course of this first year blogging for the Bigger Pockets blog. And over time, I became very good and I became quite popular because I think I was serving a niche that was not there in the Bigger Pockets. You know, the Bigger Pockets blog was really written for the advanced real estate investor, the guy with a couple dozen properties or the guy that was very able to buy a property. Well, the problem for most people is not buying a property. It's getting into a position where it's easy to buy a property financially. It is very easy to buy a property when you can put down 25%, have 10 to $20,000 left over after that, have excellent credit and a great job. So my thing was, how do I get people into that position? And people began to really be, really like these topics. And gradually, the comments became more and more positive. I still get controversial. I still get you know negative feedback from some people who don't like my thinking because I'm not for everyone. The strategy of house hacking is not for everyone. What we're doing is not for everyone, and it shouldn't be. But I'm getting feedback because they disagree with my with my argument, not with my argument, with my premise, not because they found a flaw in my argument that was due to weak writing or whatever. So, anyways, over the course of the three years, the three years after I started at Bigger Pockets, I wrote maybe a hundred blog posts for them and a thousand forum posts, and I got very good feedback from all of these things. And so I approached Josh and I was like, I want to write a book. 
He's like, no, you can't write a book. You haven't done anything yet. You're like, I, like whatever. So, so I was like, all right, I'm going to, I want to write the book anyways. <laughs> so I started writing the book in like middle of 2016, maybe early 2016. And I got pretty close to finishing it by the end of the year. And I was like, I have a book. <laughs> it's pretty much ready to go. <laughs> what do you think? And he's like, no, this might be a good idea, actually. <laughs> so, so, so I went through and I, and I, I had a horrible start to 2017. The book was due on March 26th, and I got it, and I put, gave the, the book to, to someone I trusted for feedback, and he ripped it apart. He's like, this is bad. Blather, delete. And so I wrote, rewrote this book three times between January and March, and finally got, up, got it to its current progress. And I think, it's, I think it was much better work for that. But that's, that's how I did it. So basically, I, I, I got this experience writing for the blog over the course of three years, got lots of feedback, got lots of criticism. And was able to use that to become a much better writer and then use those concepts that really resonate with people, the concepts that people cared about, and to compile them all into this one master book, like big book. I believe, and I wrote it, so take it with a grain of salt, I believe it's the best book in the, in the world for someone that is starting out with less than $100,000 in net worth. I, I, read it to the, I read it to the person that has little to no net worth, that is starting with zero, but is making a good living at a median or upper middle class job. So that is, it is a book for exactly that person and how to go from there to early financial freedom. And we do that through saving earning more income and investing intelligently and house hacking is one of the central one one of the major tactics that goes into the book because it decreases your living expenses it helps you on the savings front it's a good investment it produces income it's taxes oh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a it's a major tactic but it's not the, it, you know it's all of this you want to achieve financial freedom you got to save more you got to earn more and you got to invest the difference intelligently and reasonably aggressively so I love that. I love that. And we kind of discussed this a little bit before the show. And, you know, I talk about my book, Get Paid to Live for Free. And it's, you know, it's a very, very, very short ebook. And it just kind of kind of turns the listener's ear to real estate and especially to house hacking and how to house hack. And it's, you know, one of those starter books, but it's nowhere near. And again, I, I think your book may be next on my book list. But, you know, from what I've heard and kind of talking to you, your your book is the holy grail. It is what every single one of us needs to propel our our snowball which is what i like to call it and sign me up sign me up so any <laughs> listeners out there who who are looking to kind of get set for life like definitely visit our show notes of this show and i believe that this show will be released as episode 16 so it'll be at before the millions.com slash episode 16 and you'll be able to get scott trench's new book set for life so talking about your book now let's kind of dive into your book as much as you'd like to and and kind of talk about maybe one or two key takeaways that, that you think are, are very valuable and important for the listeners to kind of know going into it sure so the the main thing that I try to do with the books I try to say hey this is a this is a repeatable strategy you do not have to be a successful entrepreneur to achieve a life-changing financial result in five to ten years and you can do it even sooner but the I guess the key takeaway this book will encourage you passionately to make changes in every major area of your life that will hopefully, one, increase quality of life in the immediate term and enable you to pursue financial freedom. And the idea is that you go through these stages. So zero to $25,000 is the first stage that I have. And by the way, $25,000 needs to be in real assets, tangible things you can access like stocks or cash. It can't be in retirement accounts or home equity because that doesn't help you if you're 25 and attempting to become financially free in 10 years or even 35, right? Because that stuff's all locked away in, in these retirement accounts or in, you know, you're not going to sell your house and live off the cash for the most part. So it has to be in assets you intentionally, de you intend to deploy toward financial freedom. So the first $25,000 is pretty straightforward, fortunately or, or unfortunately, depending <laughs> how you look at it. If you're working a full-time job and you don't have any money, you're going to have to start saving. And I encourage people to try to get to the point where they can save 50% of their income. Most of the time when you hear people talking about how to save 50% of your income or how to save more money, you're going to hear, cut out your Starbucks latte, right? Stop going to the movies, spend less on beer. I believe the complete opposite. If you take a pie chart of the average American's household spending, you're going to see 33% of that in what category? What's the biggest category of American spending? Taxes. 
Okay, so so yeah, so taxes definitely are, <laughs> definitely are up there, but the employee uh, uh, is not going to be able to to really do much about taxes in the short term. As you move toward financial freedom, your assets and and you and buy real estate or or stocks and produce dividends or even businesses, you'll naturally build a more tax efficient portfolio. And my book is really to get you to that few hundred thousand dollars in net worth. If you want a tax optimization strategy, that's a little bit more advanced, I think. Gotcha. Okay, but you, so you're, you're absolutely be, right. Yeah. The next thing would be your rent or your mortgage. Your housing. Yes. Yep. So what, what do you think the second one after that is? This one's a little tougher. After the rent or mortgage, uh, your car. Your car, transportation. Yes. And what do you think the third thing is? Oh, let's see. And that, now, now we're getting into the weeds. I can't. Yeah, and I, uh, I'll, I'll give it to you. I, go ahead. Insurance? Food. food. Okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, food. <laughs> so, so you got housing, transportation, and food. Now, housing's thirty three percent. Transportation's seventeen percent. And it is, this might be a year old now, so I don't know what the but whatever. It's pretty close. So, <laughs> and then you got food, which is another like fifteen percent, right? So you're at like you're at two thirds of the average American household budget is just in those three categories, and one third is in everything else. That includes healthcare, insurance, entertainment, whatever. And if you go and include health insurance and pensions or your retirement accounts, you're looking at 20% of your remaining budget is that discretionary income. So if you want to save 50% or more of your income, where should don't, you go? Don't eat. <laughs> no, no. What don't you do eat is, at all. <laughs> what you do is you eliminate your housing expense. How do I get my rent or my mortgage completely eliminated? How do I get or get that as reduced as much as possible? How do I cut out major pieces of my transportation budget, which is for most of us a car? And if you're able to do those two things, you can go out all the time, all as much as you want with your friends and enjoy some beers. You can go to the movies as much as you want. You can go travel on vacation, uh, fancy vacations, and you'll still come out way ahead of the next guy. Now, what this does is you you now saving 50% of your income if you're able to make those modifications. And by that, you know, house hacking close to work and walking or biking to work is what I did. And boom, transportation, housing eliminated. Already saving a lot on top of before that because I was relatively frugal. Now I'm saving 60, 70% of my income, right? One stroke. Once you do that, you begin to stockpile this cash. And as, let's, say, let's say my expenses are $2,000 a month because I don't have anything but the fun stuff, right? Well, $25,000 is a year of financial runway. I can survive for a full year without work. Most people can't do that. Now opportunities begin to present themselves. Now I can buy more property. Now I can go and pursue a job or become an entrepreneur without the risk of running out of capital. These advantages continue to snowball as you go from through the second stage, which is $25,000 to $100,000. And we talk about how to take advantage of income opportunities, you know, like go into sales, right? Because sales is not going to pay you as much as your 80K a year job in marketing, but you might make 150. And who cares if you come up short the first year or two because you don't need that money. You have low expenses, so you're still going to cover your expenses and you could survive with nothing. So there's those kinds of things. Opportunities often, but not always, often come at the expense of a base salary. And so if you're willing to, if you're willing and able to give that up as your financial position improves, I think you'll be able to spot more opportunities. And then the last part is $100,000 to financial freedom. And that is where investing really begins to actually become important because now you have to deploy that capital and produce a thousand or more per month in passive income. And the opportunities that I just described continue to present themselves. I love that. I love that. And, I, and I'm taking notes. And one thing that really stood out that you said that might go up on the quote wall is opportunities come at the expense of a base salary. Mm -hmm. I, think I think that's very important to note that, you know, there are opportunities every day and, you know, it's, it's up to us whether we recognize them or not. But, you know, this is a powerful statement. Opportunities come at the expense of a base salary. So really, really think about that and think about you know, what risk actually means to you. And, 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 you know, if you're able to, to kind of do what Scott is outlining and, and be able to save 25,000 and start looking at different opportunities, again, kind of along the lines of what you're saying, I think the sky's the limit. So that's truly amazing, truly amazing. I love that. So, you know, kind of talking about the logistics of your book and, you know, getting to your before the millions goal, which is to, sell over 1 million copies of your book, which yep. I definitely think you will achieve. You know, <laughs> let's, let's kind of start gearing towards that. What's your plan to do that? You know, let's maybe talk about a little bit, a little bit of the marketing, you know, you don't have to go into detail too much, but maybe some high level things to kind of give our listeners some context as to, as to how we plan on achieving that goal. 
Sure. So my biggest advantage is that I have the opportunity. I got to work here at Bigger Pockets early on, and the company has grown tremendously. And we have a very large reach. That was how I had the opportunity to write a book that would sell anything in the first place. I believe that we've marketed the book to our community. And as our community grows, we'll continue to see sales there. But if, if I want to continue selling more copies of the book and spreading this message to more and more people, I have to get outside of the community. And so the plan there is take every single opportunity I possibly can to come on shows exactly like yours and talk about my philosophy and the book that I can. So I think that's, that's step one is just take every advantage there. Step two, I think, is reviews. I reach out to every single person individually that I can track that's bought my book. And I ask them, what did you think about the book? Can you give me feedback in this email? This is a personal message from me. And I do this every single, to every single person. And then I ask them, hey, also I'd love a review on Amazon. Please give me your honest feedback. And I do this, I, I have 1,600 more to go. So <laughs> I'm doing 50 to 100 a day. And oh, man, I, I believe that that's, <laughs> yeah, I believe that's really important. And and I'm not willing to, I'm not going to send a mass email to people to do this because I want their feedback individually as individuals. There's, every day I get like 10 people that reach out and say, here's my feedback for your book. Most of them say, I love the book, but that seems like a plug. So, <laughs> but, but they say, here's my feedback and here's what I'm doing. I really like this. And then sometimes this didn't apply to me, but I still got this out of this, you know, and I look at each single one of those as an opportunity to learn, Hey, what do I need to do to to write about topics that are relevant to more and more people that are within this audience. How do I get them to share this book? How do I get them to do this? I find a lot of value out of reaching out with those folks. The second thing I'm going to do is I'm actually going to start a personal finance podcast, which is not geared toward entrepreneurs. Well, I'm going to try to convince Josh to let me say, start a personal finance podcast for bigger pockets. <laughs> I think that will get a lot of traction because I think that that's what a lot of people are interested in. And so hopefully that will help spread the message as well. And then I want, I'm kind of, have, so I'm looking at my list of things here. So you're I looking, you should this. I love this. Keep so, going. <laughs> then I have, you know, people who, people who bought the book, especially that are bigger pockets members, they tend to be pretty enthusiastic about the book because it was written for them. It was, you know, there was a specific audience in mind, which is the person who badly wants financial freedom and is working a full-time job, but isn't an entrepreneur. And so I'm having, I'm going to come up with a system for them to be able to give copies of the book away to friends, family, or whoever they think would benefit from it. And right now, I think I'm going to start with three. But if someone wants to give away more copies of the book, yes, please. So I know that I, back in the day, may or may not have pirated some books online <laughs> by going to like the free PDF you know, thing. We'll so, keep that on the hush. I don't, we'll keep I don't know if that's, just, <laughs> if that's just me, but I suspect other people have done that. Yep. And guess what? I don't care if people do that with my book. I hope that they enjoy the book and that they receive the book. And guess what? I went on and I bought some of those books that I originally probably read illegally and I bought them and I now own several copies or have given away several of those copies because they were so influential. So I believe very strongly that this is a good book that people will like. And you know, Hey, if you reach out to me, I might give you a free copy if you can't afford it. <laughs> love it. Love it. You heard it here first. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And I do that a lot. You know, if a college kid comes up and says, hey, I'd love to do this, but I'm trying to get started. And I'm like, hey, here's a free copy. You know, I feel like that's very, very strongly that it's a good book and that if, the, if people read this book, they're going to like it. It's going to change their thought process and they're going to reread it again in a year or two. Uh, and so I'm not worried about the short term revenue. I'm worried about getting the book out to more and more people that will benefit from it. And the next thing was we paid advertising. We'll see if we can break even on those. And then I'm going to try to send out copies of the books, the book to major media outlets, influential bloggers, that kind of stuff. So, okay, okay. See if I can get feedback from the from the big boys. So, hey, that sounds like a robust, solid plan. I didn't I didn't expect the plan to be that detailed, but hey, that's, yeah. that's amazing. And and <laughs> because it's that detailed, I'm pretty sure you'll achieve your goal. So so kudos to you, Scott. Let's let's transition a little bit before we head to the last segment of our show, Scott. I want to ask a question for for some of the listeners who who may slightly be, be confused about what to do. And you know, not everybody that I bring on the show is an entrepreneur, kind of how you mentioned earlier. And I don't think everybody should be an entrepreneur. So let's let's talk to the listeners working a nine to five job. And do you kind of have any advice for them as far as making that decision, whether or not to be a full fledged entrepreneur or to continue being an employee and couple their daytime job with investing as you're doing? 
I think it comes down to how you define risk. So I, more and more, because of my increasing, improving financial position, consider risk to be the inability to pursue my potential, right? When I was working at my first job, my risk was I might run out of money, (laughs) right? That was my perception of risk. So the way that I was able to kind of reduce my mental risk was by lowering my expenses. And I believe that's a really powerful thing for most people that are in these positions because if you lower your expenses, stockpile cash, your fear of running out of money diminishes. And everyone has a different limit at which they're comfortable, right? But if you save and accumulate more and more and more and more and more in accessible wealth, real wealth, that's not, again, you should take the match in your 401k, but then save a lot more beyond that outside of your retirement accounts if you want to pursue financial freedom and you know, mitigate this, this, this worry of running out of money. As you accumulate more and more, as you accumulate more and more passive cash flow, I believe that's, that is when you become more comfortable with this concept. You become more comfortable with becoming an entrepreneur because you're right, not, everyone, not everyone's going to be an entrepreneur. And many people who achieve financial freedom and are completely comfortable with never working again choose to work a job. That's the position I want everybody to be in. Every single person that is a middle-class earner or above has the potential to put themselves in that position where they, where they do not have to work. And they can choose to work because they're passionate about their job or they can choose to become an entrepreneur because they're passionate about whatever it is they're trying to, to achieve there. I love that. So I think I might have may have rambled and missed your original question, which was no, what again? Not okay, at all. not at all, not <laughs> at all, Scott. And one thing, one thing that you touched on again, going back to your infamous quotes that I'm going to start stealing. But you know, you got to the point, and I have as well, where you, you know, risk to you now is the inability to pursue your potential. And mm-hmm. I think I think that's that's just golden. Risk is the inability to pursue my potential. And you know, once you're able to kind of make that switch in mindset. In your thought process, risk is no longer tied to necessarily a dollar amount or a workplace, but the inability to pursue your potential. That's when things kind of, you know, when you can, when you can change your mindset to think like that, that's when things kind of, kind of start. That's when you can kind of start painting a different picture and going a different route because what, what your motives are are totally different than, you know, if your motives were to chase, you know, stability in, in, in a W-2 job or the workplace or, you know, whatever the case may be. So I love that a lot. I love that, love that, love that. Scott, this interview has been one for the books. The best real estate investing advice ever show is literally the only daily podcast that I subscribe to. And now I'm prescribing for you. The world's longest running daily real estate podcast. That's unprecedented. Visit JoeFearless.com slash show for the back catalog. Enjoy. You are listening to the Before the Millions. Before the Millions. Before the Millions. Before the Millions. Before the Millions podcast. What is your favorite Before the Millions book beside your own book? I really like The Millionaire Next Door. That for me kind of laid out a pretty pretty approachable framework for how this works, how, how millionaires think. So really a good data study, a lot of, a lot of good data, really great author. I was actually hoping to meet the author until I realized that he unfortunately passed away. He was killed by a drunk driver, which is oh, wow. very upsetting to me. But this guy put together a great composite interviewed and researched maybe thousands of millionaires and really got, really gives you a good insight into their, into their, their mindset and their habits. He has a follow-up book too called the millionaire mind. So Okay. It's by J. Thomas Stanley. So. Okay. Okay. Definitely. Great. Great recommendation. What were the sacrifices that you knew you had to make before the millions to get to where you are today? Expenses. I think it all starts for me with, with the savings rate. So I, when I started out, I packed my lunch to my job. I found a job. I, you know, part of the reason I chose to work at Bigger Pockets was not only because I was in love with the brand, but also it happened to be within five miles of my, my house. So I could, my apartment at the time, so I could bike to work. And then I house hacked and shared it with a roommate and a wall with a neighbor. And this enabled me to accumulate first thousands, then tens of thousands, then hundreds of thousands of dollars in wealth, which I think is the major contributor. Love it. Love it. Love it. Who was essential to your growth before the millions and why? I'm going to go with Josh Dorkin, my boss, has been, I mean, even if I never met him, he would have changed my mindset and how I approached real estate investing and a huge bunch of my life. 
because I met him, because I have a chance to work for him, and Brandon Turner, another early employee at Bigger Pockets. I mean, those guys—they're incredible entrepreneurs. They—they're—they're they're fascinating human beings that have built incredible businesses and just have an incredible work ethic and such a variety of skills. Uh, skills, and I'm just lucky to be be around those guys because they're so—they're so incredible. If I was going to point to one other person that I. I didn't. I don't know personally. I would say that Mr. Money Mustache guy because he, <laughs> you know, he he really he really gave me a philosophy of life that that I, I am now pursuing. I made some tweaks, but it's really I, I kind of adhere to many of the core tenets of his philosophy. So love it, love it. And does Josh, you know, speaking to real estate investors, does he still invest in real estate? So Josh, I don't think Josh has invested in real estate in maybe the last decade. Wow. So Josh spends his efforts building bigger pockets. So That's that is. This is a this is a large company yep. that Josh bootstrapped and is the owner of, and that's where Josh Baby. invests his time, his money. So, okay, okay. Last question: Why do you think so many of us are stuck before the millions, even though we have every intention on getting to the millions? I think again, it comes down to savings rate. Unless you're an entrepreneur and you're going to create a, a very large business that's going to create tremendous amounts of income. If you're unable to save a significant amount of your income, you are not going to accumulate wealth. You're not going to be able to make significant investments, which then begin that, which produce the snowball effect. You have to produce $100 a month in cash flow to save up an extra thousand, and then you produce another hundred. Now you can save up two thousand, then three, and 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 you you have to you have to start that snowball, and you have to start it aggressively if you want to achieve a significant result early in life. So I think it really comes down to the savings rate, especially at first. Once you get past a few hundred thousand dollars in net worth, there's a million different, you know, there's a million different ways to do it before that. But once you have a few hundred thousand dollars in net worth, there's a million ways that are exponentially easier to kind of finish out that journey than the guy that has nothing. So love that, love that, love that. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this class is now out of session. This is I have a page full of notes, by the way. And <laughs> I'm 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 taking away. I love this. So Scott, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for for borrowing us your time. This has been super invaluable for me and hopefully for the listeners as well. If the listeners want to get a hold of you, want to kind of reach out to you, say hi, maybe even pick up your book, kind of plug in all those things and let us know where to, where to find you and where to find your book. Sure. You can find the book at biggerpockets.com slash set for life. That's S-E-T-F-O-R-L-I-F-E. And you can find me on Bigger Pockets. You can just go and search for Scott Trench. I'm the guy named Scott Trench once that, <laughs> that comes up. And I'm pretty responsive on Bigger Pockets. Or you can email me. My email address is on the site. It's scott at biggerpockets.com. And if you email me with a personal finance related thing, I, I I love talking about that. So I'm usually pretty responsive. So and I'm very responsive if you want to talk about the book. So. <laughs> sweet, sweet, sweet. Well, in summation, Scott, I've gained tons of insight. And again, I thank you for being on the show. And hopefully we can get you back on after you've achieved your Before the Millions goal, which we'll, we'll kind of keep tabs and hopefully keep in touch, Scott. This has been amazing. Thanks for guiding us through your Before the Millions story. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Dre. Wow. Another amazing episode, guys. Special thanks to Bigger Pockets and more specifically, Scott Trench for being on the show. It's, it's one of those shows, again, to where you just kind of want to get up and, and, and get to work and get busy and, you know, kind of start start doing something. So really grateful to have him on the show. Kind of alluded to this in the, in the beginning of the show, but if you want to pick up Scott Trench's book, go ahead and pick it up. I believe it's on Amazon, currently on sale. But also, I am going to give away a free copy of his book to a lucky listener. So if you want to get a free copy of Scott Trench's book, and I'm trying to decide if the free copy will go to Let's talk about the way to get the free copy first. So the way to get the free copy is to submit a rating or review on iTunes for the Before the Millions podcast. And I'm thinking we'll either evaluate the reviews and pick the best one, or we'll just do a random drawing of everybody who kind of submits a rating and review. I think we'll go with the latter. So, you know, just submit a rating and review. We'll kind of just do a lottery pick and whoever's name we draw, will get the free book. And I'll you know, I'll cover the cost for you and I'll have it shipped directly to you just because I think that this book is very, very powerful if you're looking to kind of get started in real estate. And I'm a strong advocate of 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 real estate investing. So that's how much I want you to have the book. I'll go ahead and, you know, buy the book for you and ship it out to you. Now, 
if you don't have money for the book and, you know, you definitely want to get started in real estate and you want the book and you don't have money, you know, let me know, you know, kind of how Scott alluded to, you know, I'm the same way. I want you to, I want you to have a way to get started and I want you to get in the game. So let me know and I'll find a way to, to make sure that, you know, I can get you the book. Whether or not, you know, I have to come out of pocket for that, you know, just because the power of of such a book like that and the power of just getting started in general when it comes to investing as soon as possible is very, very, very vital. Yeah, if you can't even afford the book, just, you know, shoot me a message, you know, DeRay at BeforeTheMillions.com. Shoot me a message and let me know. And, you know, I will say that you had to have shown some effort and at least try to get the book for free. So meaning you had to have left a rating and review and not have been the chosen winner before you kind of reach out and let me know that you can't afford the book. But yeah, just show some effort and then I can definitely figure out a way to kind of get you that. So it's my gift to you. So if you want to get started in real estate and even before that book, a good starter book to that book is my book, Get Paid to Live for Free. So check that book out. And all you have to do is email info at before the millions.com. You send an email to that email <laughs> and title that email live free and we'll get that book right to you. Again, that book is totally free and you know, there's no paid version of that book. I want to give that book to as many people as possible so that more and more people know that there, there, there are ways to get started in real estate with little to no money down. And, you know, there are ways to live live off of the income that you make off of your tenants. So again, don't want to ramble on too long about these books, but I definitely want want to make it clear that we are doing everything in our power to give you everything that you need to be equipped to get started with investing, whether it's real estate or not. So there you have it. That's all we have for today's show. And we will see you guys next week. Holla. Hello, Moto.